aspect of taking care of what's in our own eyes. It's easy for us to look around and and see um, what's wrong with everyone else and everybody else and every other situation. Um, it's kind of like the someone wrote a poem about a little seed that lay in the ground and soon began to sprout. Now, which of all the flowers around shall I, it mused, come out? The seed could be heard saying, I don't care to be a rose, it has thorns. I have no desire to be a lily, it's too colorless. And I certainly want, wouldn't want to be a violet, it's too small and it grows too close to the ground. And so it criticized each flower, that superlicious little seed, until it woke up one summer hour and found itself a weed. (laughs) And that's usually what it is, isn't it? We complain about everything around us, and we end up being a weed. So someone added, when you see faults in someone else, before you criticize, beware. For you have flaws and failures, too, that other people have to bear. We don't think about what people bear with us. We don't think about what people endure with us. Um, And yet, it's how we respond to those. Winston Churchill was a man that exemplified great character and and, respect. and respect in the face of opposition. And during his last year in office, he attended an official ceremony, and several rows behind him, two gentlemen were whispering, that's Winston Churchill. They say he's getting senile. They say he should step aside and leave the running of the nation to a more dynamic and capable man. When the ceremony was over, Churchill turned to the men and said, Gentlemen, they also say he's deaf. (laughs) Now, he responded in an upstanding way without um, making a major issue over it. But a question that we have in life is, how are we supposed to respond to some of the people in our life? I mean, let's face it. We all have different personalities, and and there's some personalities, there's some individuals that may just rub you the wrong way. And you may say, boy, howdy, I've got a double dose of them in my life right now. You may be saying, it may be at work. It, it may be at, at home, it may be in church, it can be anywhere and it can be everywhere all at the same time. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I mean, someone said, I'm sure you've seen it, it's hard to soar with the eagles when you live with the turkeys, right? But the fact of the matter is, <coughs> it wasn't that funny, Larry, okay? 
The fact of the matter is, just consider, somebody considers us the turkey that they're living with, right? And, and <clears throat> in realizing that, you know, we think it's easy for us to think that everything is all right in our life. You know, we always show mercy to us. We have a hard time showing mercy to others. Why, that was a foolish thing that they did, and, and it's not like we've never done anything foolish. But we know that we are a trial to others as well. And um, don't point any fingers at people who are a trial to you tonight, okay? But the, the reality is, in this passage, he's saying, deal with your life. Deal with the pride in our life. And then, after he says, do not criticize others, but after you're doing with, dealing with things in your own life, he then says, then you shall see clearly and you will be able to cast the moat out of thy brother's eyes. So he's not saying, don't do anything with other people. He says, take care of your life. Then you can see clearly so that you can be a blessing to others, so that you can be a help to others. Now, the problem is when we see others, what do we see? You know, we all look through a, we all look through a, um, a filter of our set mindset. Um, <laughs> Marilyn's sister lives in Wyoming. Some of you know Dan and Jeannie Martin. They lived here. And, and so this Christmas season, she, or this, I don't know when it was, but sometime late this fall, she said to a friend, oh, the Hawkeyes are playing. And I want to see him. Well, the friend heard, and Jeannie would say this a couple different weeks, and the friend is hearing, the hot guys are playing. And in her friend's mind, it's hot guys, hot guy. I mean, it's all your framework. What's your... And her friend's thinking, what, what is my Christian friend, Jeannie Martin, say? Oh, the hot guys are on TV tonight, you know. The hot guys are playing. I, I want to go watch them. Um, so we were talking about that and, and on the way coming in and Marilyn was, um, couldn't remember what the other lady thought she said. And Denny was in the back seat and said, she said, hot guys. And both Marilyn and I, see the youngest kid in the family has to deal with crazy things. We both thought she said Hawkeyes. No, that in what? And she's back there. Hot guys, Hawkeyes, hot guys, Hawkeyes, hot guys. That's what we're hearing. And because Hawkeyes was on our mind, we couldn't even hear it right. And finally, I even had my hearing aids in, okay, and I still wasn't hearing it right. Finally, we got that cleared up. But you know what? When it comes to dealing with other people, we look at things, we come to conclusions about them 
And in most cases, it's wrong. So how do we view people? How are we supposed to see clearly when we're, when we're looking at others? First of all, um, and, and I want you to get in your mind, maybe some person or a type of person that you struggle with, okay? Um, first of all, we need to see them as God's creation. You know, there's times that our attitudes are really wrong and we just write someone off and it may be, you know, everybody has their things that, that just trip their trigger and, and just write them off. We need to understand every human being is created by God. Made, we talked some this morning in, a, in the men's Sunday school class, made in the image of God. And God didn't make any junk. Sin makes junk out of what God makes it, but God came to restore it. And we need to first of all realize that they are God's creation, and secondly realize they were created for fellowship with God. I mean, every false religion follower was still created for fellowship with God. Um, Every human being was made for fellowship with God. And we need to remind ourselves of that. And it's, it's the lies of Satan, it's sin that has separated us from God and, and has got millions of people going, running as fast as they can away from God, but they still were made for fellowship with God, even though they may be shaking their fist at God and saying, we don't even believe you exist. We are out to prove that you are wrong or you don't exist or whatever. Even that person was made for fellowship with God. So, in viewing these people, not, not just look at them like, what a worthless piece of waste of flesh. And, and honestly, most of us here have thought that of some people at some time or another, okay? Something along that line. We need to step back and say, wait a minute. God, help me to see through your, your sight. Help me to see from your perspective and see that you're the one that gave them life. You're the one that put them on the face of the earth. And they were created for fellowship with you. That's your ultimate plan is to work in their life. You design them to fellowship with you. Then we need to ask ourselves to help us to see people and not just um, turn our backs on people, not just to reject people, not just to think evil of people, but so that we can be a help, what can I learn from them? And some of you might be thinking, I don't know. I don't think there's anything I can learn from them. You can, you can learn something from everyone. It may be how not to do something, but you need to ask, what can I learn from them? Maybe... Maybe 
to you, someone that's, that runs their mouth all the time just irritates you. And um, so you say, what can I learn from them? Well, I can learn the truth that in the multitude of words there wanteth not sin. I can learn that, um, you know, maybe not everybody likes that, and, and yet they are made in the image of God. They are designed by God. Um, what can I learn from them? Then fourthly, what truth do they need? What, if I am walking with God and this is a source of irritation, is there a truth that would help remove that irritation that they need? And the vast majority of people, the number one thing is they need to know they were created by God for fellowship with God and only Jesus Christ can bring that fellowship with God. That's just a simple summary. But what truth do they need? And you may not be able to give them the whole ball of wax, but maybe you can give them, because I am a follower of Christ, I respect you as a human being, I'm going to treat you respectfully, and maybe that would be an instrument that would open the door for someone else to plant a seed. What truth do they need? Um, It may be a fellow believer. What truth do they need? Can I be an instrument to help bring that? And then we need to ask ourselves, what truth do I need in this situation? What truth do I need to be reminded of? What truth do I need to walk in? Is my response to them right? What is God trying to teach me in this? You know, especially when dealing with the lost person. How many of you have had one of your kids, you, they, maybe they were lost, or they were lost from you for a while, and maybe in a store or someplace, and, and you've experienced, even if it's for... Ten seconds. Where are they? How many of you have had that? Okay. Everything diminishes right then and there, doesn't it? I don't, I mean, your focus is on where are they? I don't remember how old Asa was. When we were, we were down in Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium at a soccer game, 20-some thousand people, and we're watching the game, and Andrew gets up to go to the restroom, and Asa was probably four, and we didn't know it. He got up to follow Andrew. Well, Andrew didn't know he was following him. So Andrew went up the stairs, out to the mezzanine, went to the restroom, came back. Where's Asa? I don't know. I didn't have him. I mean, immediately. You've, you've been there in situations like that. I mean... It is, my son is lost, and you're running up the stairs, and you're running this way in the mezzanine, and you're calling his name, and, and the family's going in every direction. And, and thankfully, some good security man saw this little red-headed kid wandering around like he didn't know where he was and 
got him and held him there until we found him. I always wondered why Ace is so scared about various things now when we go to Big Crown. No. <laughs> you know, I was thinking along this line, and I hadn't thought about that for a long time, but I thought, you know what? I don't think about God's children being lost and having the same urgency in finding them as he does. Think about that. When our kids are lost, it's like everything out the window, that is what, and your adrenaline's pumping and and everything. Every one of these human beings are lost children, and God wants to seek and to save them. And, and as I realized, I thought, man, Lord, I'm, I'm walking along. Oh, your kid's lost? Okay, well, have a good day. I'm going to get some popcorn. No. And he's bringing these people in our lives, and he's wanting us to help them to be found. And, and this week as I was thinking about that, just yesterday as I was, I was thinking about this, I thought, man, Lord, I have, forgive me for having the whole wrong attitude about other people. That this is a priority to God. He, he wants to find the lost. And right there is a truth that I need. But it's also the truth that, that I need along the line of what we mentioned this morning. You know, I can, I can be very critical of someone wait a minute, I'm not God, I don't know the whole story, I have things in my own life, what can I do to bless them? What can I do to help them? What truth do I need? How do I need to respond to this? You know, it may be the, the simple truth of sowing and reaping that, um, you know what, I need to overcome evil with good. So they're dishing evil my way. The truth I need to know is overcome evil with good. I just need to return good for evil. What truth do I need? Number six, seek to see from their perspective and experience. You know, the story we mentioned this morning about, um, about Abraham Lincoln after he had learned not to have a critical spirit, and he said to his wife, if we were in their conditions with their same experiences, we'd feel the same way. Once we often find out what people have lived with, what they've experienced, what their gifts are, what their perspective is, it helps us be much more understanding. Oh, I, I didn't know that. I mean, how many times we've said that? And, and in understanding, we can come to conclusions and we can cut the line very sharp and say, no, 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 that isn't right. And, and it may not be right, but do you understand how they came to that conclusion? And then we need to get the truth to help them come to, to the right conclusion. But before we do that, we must have the right truth in our life. We must see things from God's perspective, and then try to come around and see, okay, this is, I can see how they're seeing this. Now, 
what are the steps that I could be instrumental in helping them with to lead them in the right direction? And then number seven, just ask God, God, how can I glorify you in this relationship? In this relationship that, that I have with this person, how can I glorify you? You know what? In some relationships it may be, I think the only way I can glorify them is just pray for them and ask God to bless them. There, there may be some relationships that it, it might be a dead end. There may be others that by asking, God, how can I glorify you in this relationship, that God will open a door and, and give you an opportunity. But that ought to be our desire. God, how can I glorify you in this relationship? Now, you can't make anyone have a relationship with you. But the sad part is most of us aren't pursuing a relationship with others. We want God to have a relationship with us but on these two things hang all the law and the prophets. Love God. Okay, I, I'm going to love God. And then love your neighbor as yourself. That's where it gets in to loving others. I'm going to take care of my responsibility here, God, with you. And then God says, good, now you can see clearly to go and help someone else. Now now you have a foundation that you can see clearly and you can see they are God's creation, that God desires fellowship with them, God has things we can learn from them and truths that we can share for them. And there are truths that God will bring and instill in our life because of this relationship that we will learn And we wouldn't have learned it any other way, and God's brought this person into our life for that reason. But God, how can I glorify you in this relationship? What's the next step that you want me to take? How can I glorify you in this? You understand, you can't live this life without relationships. And... You can't live the Christian life and be obedient to him by avoiding relationships. But every relationship, take and say, okay, God, in my marriage, how can I glorify you in this? In my family, how can I glorify you in this? What is, what is the truth you're trying to teach me through this individual at work? How can I glorify you in this relationship with this individual at work? You know, and as, as we commit to that, It'll be amazing to see how God works. And um, Joe shared with me, what's that statement that you have on your fridge or something? Okay. You can't criticize someone you're praying for. You know what? It begins with prayer. If we really start praying for them and say, God, I want, I want you to lead me, how I can glorify you in this relationship. God, I, I want you to bless them. I want you to bring them to you if they're not you or if they are. I, I pray that you would use them and make them fruitful. If we really have a heart that prays one for another, it will also help deal with our critical spirits. 
And in dealing with that, then we become what God wants us to be. As I said this morning, we often get caught up in wasting our time and wringing our hands about things that we can do nothing about and the things we can do something about, we don't. So he's saying, don't be critical. Stop criticizing. Look at yourself and see others from God's perspective. And as we do that, we'll see God work. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that even tonight you would bring to mind in our hearts individuals that you want us to see differently than we have been seeing them. Lord, there may be individuals that people here tonight are bitter at. Lord, I pray that we'd be freed from that bitterness. There may be others that we've um, just written them off. We don't have the time of day for them. Lord, whatever it is, I pray that your truth would find fertile ground in our hearts to produce fruit that would be manifested in the lives of others. I pray this week that we would have a spirit that doesn't look at things from a critical, complaining, griping attitude, but, Lord, that we would look for ways that we can glorify you. Thank you so much that you are long-suffering, that you're patient, that you're continually at work in our lives, and we pray that you truly would be glorified this week. In Jesus' name, amen.